You're listening to the Earn That Body Podcast, episode number 88. Welcome to the Earn That Body Show with Kim Eagle. Kim is an award-winning personal trainer. She trains her clients all over the world online and is passionate about empowering people by getting fit and healthy. everyone, this is Kim Eagle and you are listening to the Earn That Body podcast. I designed this podcast to give you strategies on health, nutrition, and fitness that you can put into play today. That is always my goal is that you can take away something exactly from this episode that you can use to change your health level, your fitness level, whatever it might be. Lots of different tips and news ideas and things to help you. All right. Let's go ahead and get started with the Eagle's Eye on Fitness. What is that? It's my first little segment of the podcast each week that gives you a little bit of news or interesting information that has come out in the health, fitness, and nutrition area this week. Well, one thing that I came across is about eating fish. And you may have heard before that fish actually can be tainted, they say, with lots of toxins. So although we do want to eat fish because fish is so good for us, especially if you're a vegetarian but you do eat fish, it's a wonderful way for you to get that protein in. Here's a few tidbits of information you might want to know in order to pick the best fish that doesn't have the heavy metals or possibly not as much. Now, why are fish generally tainted with these toxins like mercury and dioxins? Basically because the waterways that they are in have these toxins in it, so over time it gets into their system. So the seafood counter, they say, is a potential source of toxins, and they have been linked to neurological problems, increased risk for diabetes, heart disease, and even brain development issues in infants. So it's something that you definitely do have to take seriously. And while it's believed that the health benefits of eating fish generally do outweigh the risk from contaminants, All right, so I'm going to say that again because it's important. Generally, they say that the health benefits of eating fish still outweigh the risk from contaminants, but you can still tailor your dining habits to avoid these toxins. And what you want to do is realize that since a larger, longer living predatory fish tends to have a higher concentration of mercury, you want to try eating less of the following fish, less shark, Swordfish, king mackerel, marlin, orange ruffy, tilefish, and bluefin and big eye tuna. So they generally say that canned white tuna is larger albacore tuna that may have absorbed more mercury than the smaller skipjack tuna primarily used in light tuna. So something to keep an eye out for, right? So you want to avoid some of those fish, which are the larger fish, the longer living fish. They're going to have higher amounts of these toxins and going for the smaller fish. And like this one said, smaller skipjack tuna, uh, what they called in light tuna is what you want to look for. All right, so that's your eagle's eye on health today. And now we're going to get into a super fun episode, what I like to call Ask Me Anything. So if you were online in the last week, I put out a couple posts on my personal page, uh, Kim Eagle, and also on my Earn That Body Facebook page saying, hey, 
Ask me anything you want to know about me, primarily in relation to my health and fitness and nutrition, and I will go ahead and answer it for you. So every like six months, I like to throw one of these out there because everyone always has very similar questions and they want to know how I personally do something in my health and fitness nutrition. So here's your episode today on how I do things. Let's go ahead and get started with our very first one, which is always a funny one. So Miss Catherine Cothern, she had asked, or she stated, I should say, what most people already know. But if you don't know me and you don't follow me on social media, you might not know that I have a great love for red vine licorice. (laughs) Now what's funny is when I moved here to Austin, it was almost impossible for me to find red vines because for some reason in different areas, like here in Austin, you can get uh, Twizzlers. Let me tell you something, people. Twizzlers are not the same as red vines. Now, you might be thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe she eats that. Talk about toxic. (laughs) Yes, it's full of sugar. It has red dye in it. I'm sure it has high fructose corn syrup. It's not good for you. But hey, every now and then, I'm human too. And people know that red vines are something that I do love. Now, I do not eat them very often. I probably eat them maybe once a year. Uh, Thankfully, again, they're not really around here that much, except when my friends find them and then they send them to me. Or my sister once sent me an entire Costco carton of red vines. And that was honestly like the meanest thing you could do to someone like me. And I made my son hide that carton because otherwise I would eat them all. So how many red vines do you eat in one sitting? That's what Miss Catherine wants to know. Well, I mean, honestly, I could eat five, I could eat 10, but I know that I'll be sick after eat a few. So generally, I would say I have like a few pieces. Um, It's not something like I would buy at the movie theater ever and eat an entire box. Now, have I done that in my past? Absolutely. But not probably in the last 20 years because it definitely would make me sick. So I can have three to five red vines and still be pretty okay. How often do you allow yourself to enjoy this treat? Again, I don't have access to it very often and I don't want it all the time. Like I kind of like that it's not around very much. If I have it once or twice a year, that's probably a max. It's not something that I would ever go out and buy. And lastly, she wants to know, do you have any other food vices? Well, other than red vines being a total favorite toxic chemical S storm. (laughs) Another thing that I love, which is probably not even close to as much of an S storm. I won't say that word because some people have their kids listen to my podcast, which is great. So I love Trader Joe's Jojo cookies. I like the regular traditional ones. Basically, it's an Oreo. It's got the chocolate on the outside and then the vanilla filling on the inside. It is literally the healthiest version of an Oreo that I can find. And it is so good. I love JoJo's. I could probably sit down and eat like an entire box. (laughs) No problem. Now, would I? No, because I would definitely be sick. But if I could have two or three JoJo's, you know, all the time, I probably would. But that's why I don't keep it in the house. Because again, I am human. People don't think I am, but I'm human. And if it's in the house, I will eat it. So I don't keep JoJo's in the house. 
My son likes them and he likes to taunt me and get them. Like him and my husband will get JoJo's and then they'll show me. And then they know like that I've been put at this new level of, you know, how much willpower do I have this week? (laughs) And sometimes I just have none and I tell my son, hide them. I don't want to know where they are. If I know where they are, I'm just more likely to have it every single day. A few here, a few here, a few here. So I just don't have stuff like that in the house. Doesn't mean I'm not going to eat it. Doesn't mean I'm not going to get it for my son. It's just we don't have it a lot. So if we got JoJo's like three times a year, that's probably how often we have it. And like I said, I could throw down two or three, no problem. I could throw down probably the whole box, no problem. I would be sick, but I would do it. So I have to be careful. <laughs> there you go. That's Those are my vices and the things that I like. My next question is from Amy Almquist. She wants to know, what is your favorite cheat or weekend meal? So I never, I don't believe in cheat meals. Not for me, not for my clients as well. Um, I, I eat very clean during the week and then I kind of do what I want on the weekend. But sort of what you're asking is, you know, what's my favorite go-to meal? That's probably not the healthiest. Pretty much every weekend, I want some kind of Mexican food. And enchiladas, chicken enchiladas are probably my fave. And I'll definitely have some chips at the table with salsa and a margarita. (laughs) And that's probably my sort of weekend cheat meal. Again, I don't like to call it a cheat meal because... Cheat meals can really get deceiving for people. For one, you're not, I don't want to be cheat. Cheating means you're doing something wrong. And I don't want anyone to ever think they're doing something wrong by enjoying a meal that is maybe less healthy. Uh, Cheating, it just has such a a negative connotation that we're not going to call it a cheat meal. The other thing is people who give themselves a cheat day, I definitely don't recommend that. Um, Or a cheat meal where they kind of say, I can eat anything and as much as I want. What unfortunately happens when you do that is that you tend to eat so much more because like you feel like you can and it's this one meal or this one day when you can get in as much as you want. So you're like kind of like shoving the food in. Before you know it, you have actually eaten the amount of calories that you saved all week by eating healthy and you can actually gain weight by having a cheat day. You can eat enough calories in a cheat day or even a cheat meal that you could definitely gain weight even if you were good all week. So I just, I don't like to go with the whole cheat day or cheat meal kind of thing. But again, I think what you really wanted to know was what's my favorite weekend meal that's not so healthy and it's definitely Mexican food. All right, the next question is from a dear friend of mine, Miss Susan Burton. This is what she wrote. Besides being a mom, a wife, and managing your household, if you did not do all the things you do, your own training, workouts, working full-time, building your ETB business, developing programs, reading and researching, TV and magazine appearances, keeping up with hundreds of clients every day, podcasting, promoting health and wellness on social media, etc. What are some things you would do instead if you had all that time to fill? So first of all, when I read that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's exhausting. Who does all those things? Yes, I do a lot of those things, but because I love what I do, it, it honestly, it doesn't 
It doesn't feel like work. I love what I do, and I feel really blessed that I can bring health and fitness and nutrition information to so many people to live a healthier life. So even though I read that and was like exhausted just reading it, I was also really proud. And I I really appreciate that you obviously, Susan, you definitely see how much work and time it definitely takes me in my life. So thank you so much. Um, So what would I do? It's so funny. I would probably train a little more. And you're probably all thinking like, oh my gosh, don't you already train so much? I do, I do train a lot, but I really enjoy training. And I try to keep it to like one hour a day, depending on what I'm training for. So if I'm training for an Ironman, it's it's a lot of work. And so I can't train for an Ironman very often. I can only do that once every few years. So maybe I would do more Ironman type events because I would have more time to train. Um, then some of my hobbies that I just, I don't have a lot of time for, but I love to do, you're all going to laugh probably, but I love to knit, (laughs) which Susan knows I'm like, um, probably the only triathlete Ironman who knits. And if you knit too, awesome. Give me a shout out online. Maybe we can, uh, do some kind of project together. (laughs) I do. I love to knit. It's sort of something I, you know, make scarves and hats and all that stuff, but I don't have a lot of time to do it. So I often try to get a little done before bed, but honestly, not enough. Another thing I love to do, which has become a new passion project of mine, which again, I just don't have a lot of time for, is I love making jewelry. And the type of jewelry that I've been making is what I call Believe Jewels. And it's, I use a washer and I do metal stamping and for friends and family, like if they're training for a race, I'll put something like 26.2 and on the bottom I write believe and I send it to them. And it's just that little bit of inspiration that they can wear. I just made one for myself. It says BQ believe and BQ means Boston qualify, which I'm certainly trying to do in my next marathon in May. So I just put on my believe bracelet that I made. Um, and I love it because it's something that I can just look down all the time. I think when you have a goal, you should see it all the time and you need to believe in it. And it's so hard to do. So I love making my believe jewels. And if If you want one, let me know. I I do sell Believe Jewels, but I just don't have a lot of time to make them, so I don't promote it very often, but I can certainly tell you more about it. Just shoot me an email, kim at earnthatbody.com. Another thing I really enjoy doing, I don't have a lot of time for, is I do love to read more so in my older years. I never was much of a reader before, but now before bed every night, I really love reading. And I do a lot of reading on running because I'll do anything to get better at running. So I do a lot of reading on running um, and then just anything that sort of takes my mind off daily life. So fiction is great, just sort of like anything that someone recommends. If If they've read a good book, then I definitely love to read. And then probably the last thing that I would love to do more of, and I just don't have a lot of time, is I would love to volunteer more. And I would say if I have any guilt about anything working this much, it's that I don't volunteer a lot, like at my son's school. I definitely did when he was younger, but now that he's in high school and my business is just so busy right now, I don't have a lot of time to commit and volunteer to help out the school more, although I am going to get more involved with his cross-country team next year. So I would probably volunteer a lot more too if I had more time, and one day I'll have more time to do all of those things. 
Okay, next question. Miss Amy Feltis wants to know, how do you get it all done and still sleep? <laughs> well, as Susan had said, everything that I do in a day, it's a lot. Um, I do get up early. I get up at about 5.30 every morning because I go through all my client food logs and I want them to have the feedback on their food logs first thing in the morning. So they log all their food and then I check yesterday's food at 5.30 in the morning, shoot them an email, what can they do you know, to fix it, to get it even better, what can they swap? And I want them to have that information as early as possible. So that's why I get up so early is to get my clients that information right away. Then... I have everything written down in my calendar. And I'm actually a calendar person where I write things out. If you were to see a picture of my calendar, it would look like a mess to you because I'm a big person who has like write down everything I have to do and then I have to cross it off. I'm a big cross off person with my pencil. So I can't do it online because I have to see it all day and I have to cross it out. So I make a list, Amy, of everything I have to do with basically the what I have to do most, like what is an essential thing that I have to finish that day goes on top and all the way down. So my calendar is very set through each week on which tasks I have to do. And then I check them all off, cross them off my list. Another thing I do is I multitask as much as possible. And what do I mean by that? Well, when I make my lunch every day, I also make my son's lunch for the next day. So if I'm making myself a turkey sandwich, I make two. I pack his away in the special container that I use for his lunches. I put it in the fridge because that is one less thing I have to do later for packing him a lunch. So always making more is better than less. And Amy, you're really good at this because you're great at meal planning. So doing things like that really helps though. If you're going to make your lunch, then make your child's lunch too. Even if you have to wrap it up for the next day, it still stays good. Okay. Everyone asks me, well, doesn't it get soggy? No, not really. Not in one day. I mean, it's in a tight sealed container and it, he eats it the next day. So when in doubt, if you can do that, definitely give it a try. Um, calendar I told you is my must do's. And then if the next thing is I am sleeping by 9 p.m. If I'm not in bed at 8.30, it's a bad day. I know how much sleep my body needs and I know how much, I know how much sleep everybody needs and it's generally seven to eight hours. I would say I average eight hours of sleep a night and knock on wood, uh, I would say because I get that much sleep on average, I don't get sick very often and I can get up at 5.30 in the morning and not feel like a complete zombie. And when you get enough sleep, you get through all the tasks that you have to do. Uh, so I really think that's a key part of my life is that I get enough sleep every night so that I can then crush the busy day that I have ahead. So that's how I do it all, Amy. I don't always do it perfectly, but I certainly give it my best shot. All right, Tessie had a question. She wants to know who checks your food logs. <laughs> then she said, just kidding. Uh, just so you know, I do not log my food. I stopped doing that a long time ago. Once I learned how to eat properly, and this is exactly what I teach my clients, I want you food logging so you understand like how much food you should be eating. And that's obviously personalized for each person. Not everybody has the same amount of calories. And once you understand how to balance your carbs and your protein and your fat and to monitor your sugar and your sodium and your fiber, once you do that for several months, you got this. 
You don't need to do it forever. It is my goal to get all my clients off all food logging as soon as we possibly can. As soon as you get it and you don't need that anymore, then we wean you off the food log process. That's always my goal. So I don't actually log food anymore, just so you know. But then she said, seriously, when did you make this lifestyle change? And if you listen um, to my very first podcast I ever did, which was what, 80-something podcasts ago, so now a lot of new listeners haven't, haven't ever listened to the sort of About Me podcast, that's sort of where I go into that. But since so many people haven't heard it, I will just quickly go through it for you right now. I made my lifestyle, nutrition, health, and fitness changes when I went through a divorce, So, gosh, when was it? So Charlie was about two. So like 13 years ago when I went through a divorce and I became a single mom, I literally had a moment where I consciously said, okay, I can either get fit right now or I can get fat because that is the choice that I have. Like I'm obviously upset. I'm going through a tough time. I'm a single mom of a two-year-old you know, like terrible twos, that's so lovely. And I didn't, my ex-husband was not even in my city. I was definitely at that point where I knew I had to make the choice. I'm either gonna let myself go and like drink every night and eat really crappy and not care, or I'm gonna turn it around, I'm gonna get super fit and super healthy like never before. I knew in my heart I had to get fit and healthy for the sake of my son. So how am I going to take care of this two-year-old all by myself if I'm a mess and physically am exhausted all the time and feel terrible and I knew gaining weight would just make me even more depressed and I knew that would not be the way to go. So I really made this conscious choice. I'm going to get in the best shape of my life. I'm going to get into my nutrition. I'm going to learn everything I can about nutrition. And, and I lived in San Diego at the time and I worked with a woman And she helped me with nutrition and I started exercising consistently because before that it was sort of inconsistent, like a couple days here and a couple days there, but it never really had a plan and I would do this and that, but I mean, it wasn't making any progress of any sort. So I really sort of dialed in my exercise. I got my nutrition together and I was feeling amazing and I was starting to look fantastic. And that is like, there is nothing better than looking amazing when the ex-husband comes to the door, <laughs> right? I mean, there just isn't. I'm sorry, if, if you're a single mom right now, you totally get what I'm talking about. So it was giving me confidence. I was feeling good, I was having energy, and I just felt like I could really manage my life. And it just really took off. Like, it empowered me so much to take control of my body and my health. And so that's when I started teaching fitness in San Diego. And then shortly after that, um, you know, I met my current husband. I actually met my current husband, Craig, at the gym in San Diego. (laughs) Um, And he saw me walking out with little Charlie on my hip when he was three. So, you know, just if you are a single mom, just put yourself out there, get out there. And... And that's when everything really started for me. Like I said, I started teaching fitness. I started getting into nutrition. And then when I moved to Austin, um, I started Earn That Body online so I could help more people, especially the people I was leaving in California, 
I felt so bad that I was leaving clients there that I was able to continue working with them if I started this online business. And then my my lifestyle just never changed. I mean, this is just what it became. I ate healthy, I felt great. And um, honestly, I would say in the last 13 years, my weight has not fluctuated more than two pounds. So um, that's a question I also always get. People ask me, how much do you weigh? I have five foot five and my weight range, because you never weigh one number all the time. You should always have a weight range. And so my range is generally 120 to 122 pounds. And in the last 13 years, I really have not ventured much over that. I mean, maybe a day or two here and there, I hit 123, 124, but generally 120 to 122. If I'm strength training a lot, I'm always on the higher side of 122. And if I'm not strength training a lot because I'm in the heat of Ironman training or marathon training, that's when my weight usually goes to 120. So that's a question most people have too. Um, but thank you, Tessie, for asking. That That is when I made my lifestyle changes. And, and I'm certainly so glad that I made the choices that I made that day when I said, you can get fit or you can get fat. Next question by Nikki Gregory. What are your top three tips on maintaining your lifestyle? So that very, very much so goes with what we were just talking about when I changed my lifestyle. Um, how do I maintain it? Well, the first thing is I got very present in how I feel when I'm eating healthy. I remember days of eating really bad, like in my 20s, and uh, eating so bad that literally I would wake up the next day and my body hurt. Like I would push on it and my body would hurt. And it was always a reflection of eating really poorly or drinking too many cocktails and just feeling horrible. And I got so tired of that feeling that when I did make the lifestyle changes and started eating healthy, I got really present with how that felt. And so that's something that I always try to encourage my clients. I say, how do you feel right now? You just took off 10 pounds. You've totally changed how you're eating. How does it feel? Because I really want people to embrace that because that is how I maintain my lifestyle is by embracing what it feels like to feel fantastic every day versus sluggish and in pain and bloated. And like, it's good, have one of those bad eating days and get really present in what bloated and gassy feels like and just like sit in and be like, how does that feel? But then when you have those good days, really sit in that and ask yourself, how does that feel? And for me, being very present in that is definitely the main thing that helps me maintain this healthy lifestyle. Now, another thing that I do is I eat super clean Monday through Friday. What does that mean? I pretty much do not eat out one meal Monday through Friday. I eat home for breakfast, I eat home for lunch, I eat home for dinner. We cook every night during the week, we go out on the weekends, maybe two nights would be a max. I do not eat breakfast at Starbucks. I do not even like coffee at Starbucks anymore. I don't know about you, but I'm so over Starbucks. I think that coffee tastes terrible and I think they are dirty inside. <laughs> That's just like a side thing, but does anybody else feel that way? I just, I don't eat there. And so um, I don't do breakfast there and I don't do lunch there and I don't have snacks there anymore. So if you can get on that sort of Monday through Friday, I eat home, when I tell myself this is what I do, I don't really feel, I don't feel restrained or anything. I mean, if I need to go out one night, then I do, it's fine. But I sort of like, it just gives me 
a nice, easy pattern to follow. And, it, and I just, I don't stray from it. And then on the weekends, I can relax and I do go out to eat that Mexican food or I'll have pizza. We probably have pizza once a weekend and I'm totally fine. And my weight doesn't really change much at all. Like maybe the next day after Mexican food, I might be up a pound, but it's usually sodium and water retention. And that comes right off if you get back on track. So for me, eating really clean Monday through Friday, and I mean, I don't eat out for lunch. Like I see so many people, like they eat out for lunch every day. You have no idea how many extra calories you're taking in and how much extra sodium you're taking in. Try to save it for the weekends, and I honestly think it would make a huge difference for most people. And then the third thing, Nikki, is that I am very consistent in my workouts, and I have a plan in my workouts. I think this is something a lot of people are missing. So either some people just like work out sporadically, like a day here, and then four days later they work out again, and then if they feel like it, they work out on the weekend. Like you definitely need to get consistent with the workouts, like four to five days a week for sure. I work out six days a week. I like the way it feels. Um, I'm not telling you to work out three or four hours a day either. I mean, yes, I do that when I'm Ironman training, but I do not do that unless I'm Ironman training because it is too much stress on the body. So you can just work out for an hour a day, five to six days a week, and, and you're golden. It doesn't have to be, and it doesn't even have to be super intense. Doesn't It can be walking. If, that's, if you don't do anything right now and you just start walking an hour a day, you're golden, trust me. So being consistent in the workouts and then having some sort of plan with the workouts, I find really helps too. So like with my clients who do the Earn That Body program, I give them a workout calendar because I want it to have a plan and sort of a method to the madness, I say, of what I create for them. Meaning I don't wanna see people strength training three days in a row and then doing a cycle class three days in a row. Like you need to alternate your cardio day, your strength day, and then really figure out well, what is what is your goal anyway? Like, are you trying to lose weight? Are you trying to put on muscle? Are you trying to do both? And if you are, like, what's the best way to do that? Like there's a method to how you should work out for all of those different things. So being consistent in the workouts and having a solid plan of which workouts you do on which day and, and why, you know, and that's something that I help clients with. A lot of people will have no idea. Well, I have no idea what to do with my workouts. So that's something you want to definitely look into. But those three things, um, being present in how you feel, eat clean Monday through Friday, be consistent in your workouts and have a plan. That is definitely my top three tips on how I maintain my lifestyle. Beth Baldwin, you are my sweetest, sweetest person I know. <laughs> she writes, do you have a secret to staying so positive and being so darn sweet to all of us? Oh, you're so nice. I just love you. Um, I, I think you're kind of kidding, obviously. And, and it's funny because I'm not actually the most positive person. I try to be positive to all my clients and, and it's probably because I just believe in all of you so much. Like I look at all of you and I see the potential that you all have and I know you all can do anything. But to say like I'm the most positive person, my family would probably be like, come on, like you're, you're probably more of a glass is half empty kind of person. So, and I'm totally fine admitting that. Like I tend to be, I like to say I am a realist, that's why. <laughs> I'm gonna look at the glass and it is half empty and it is half empty for a reason and I don't like to sort of glorify um, why the glass is half full. 
But thank you, Beth, for thinking that I am positive. And I hope that that is what I convey to my clients because I certainly do think you're all amazing. All right, last question. Malia asks, do you work out before your day starts and before you eat or do you wait until after breakfast? Well... I always eat breakfast before I work out, just like I tell all my clients to do. There is nothing I tell my clients to do that I don't do. Like basically everything that I do to maintain this healthy lifestyle, to maintain my body, is what I preach to my clients. How I do it, this is how I do it, this is how I recommend you do it because it seems to work for hundreds of people that I've helped so far, including myself. So everybody should know that you always need to eat something before a workout. Now, I have sometimes very early workouts, just like many of you. And so I've had track workouts before at 5.45 in the morning, and that meant I had to leave my house at 5 to get to where the track workout was at 5.45. That means I need to be up and eating at like 4.15. So yes, I get up 45 minutes to an hour before I have to leave to make sure that I can get that fuel in my body because I will have a better workout if I eat something. Now, I'm not telling you to eat a full-blown buffet breakfast before a run, but at least whole grain toast and peanut butter is something in your stomach. Like you basically fasted the whole night. That's how you have to see fasting. Like you already fast all night long. You do not need to fast after that. There's no intermittent fasting in my life other than the sleep period that you didn't eat. So you need something in your stomach. Please always eat something. And then if you only have a little something, then after that workout, you actually need your full breakfast at that point. So that's what I would do. I generally, because I have a drive usually of 45 minutes, that's plenty of time to digest. I will have a full bowl of oatmeal. That's one serving of oatmeal with two eggs and a cup of coffee. That's generally my go-to meal before any workout or it's two whole grain waffles with my eggs and my coffee before a workout. And then on the way there in the car, I'm hydrating with water. So there you go. That's my answer, Malia. That's everything about me. Those are all the questions that I saw. If you did have a question and it didn't get answered, please shoot it over to me at kimatearnthatbody.com and I'll make sure we put it on the next podcast episode. I hope some of this had value for you. Like I always try to I'm always like, do you guys really want to know this information? But if it helps you in any way to know something that I'm doing and and why it's working for me, then I'm certainly happy to share it with all of you. Now, my next question to everyone is last spring, we did the Summer Body 21-Day Challenge. Now, this year, I am not updating the 21-Day Challenge with new videos. So if you already did the program last year, but you want to do it again, shoot me an email, Kim at earnthatbody.com because I'm going to figure out what I'm going to be hosting for spring. Uh, and I think I'm going to be repeating the summer body 21 day challenge because a lot of people didn't get to do it. So if you did not get to do it and you want more information, I am probably going to be starting this in May. If we have enough interest, shoot me an email, kim at earnthatbody.com. Let me know if you did it and want to do it again, or if you have not done it. It is an awesome 21-day challenge. You get videos for buns, guns, and core. Who does not want to tone up their buns, guns, and core before bikini season, right? Because all summer bodies 
are made now, not in the summertime. So the 21 day challenge is a great way to do it and the videos are awesome. But like I said, they are the videos from last year. It is the same program from last year, but I have so many new clients, so many new followers that didn't get to do it that I wanna go ahead and offer it again. So let me know. Other than that, I hope you have such a fantastic week ahead. Make it a healthy one and I will meet you back here next week. For more information about Kim Eagle's online programs, go to earnthatbody.com or check out Earn That Body on all forms of social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube.